For this month, we're going to look at serving and the power of serving. It is, it is like generosity. It is a counter-cultural value. And when I say culture, I'm not only talking about the culture out there, because sadly, in North America, the church can have the identical spirit as the world in which we live. So I'm not trying to play culture wars. What I'm talking about is a culture that is aligned against what God says and what God's word teaches, and then as followers of Jesus, as we submit to a different king, live into a different kingdom. Again, it's not just coming into the church or outside. It's not that, because how many of you know that we bring oftentimes a lot of the culture into our own hearts and lives in how we think? And so let's let serving touch our hearts this morning. When we say serving, this is what we mean. We serve God by serving others wholeheartedly. That at some point, our serving God has to be serving our fellow humanity. That our service positions us best to see others. And that's what we're going to speak about today. That we care about people first before we think about what they can offer. And we endeavor, we endeavor. This will be a challenge in all of our lives and at different seasons, an increasing challenge, but it's there. Is that we endeavor to look for the best in each other. That's what we endeavor to do. So in the same way that generosity is the only antidote to greed, in the same way that generosity breaks the back of greed, serving ensures that we are carriers of the heart and that we're not just spiritual consumers, but we are spiritual builders. That we carry the heart of God, but we also have a passion to build his house. And his house is not merely brick and mortar, his house is people. So all around you this morning, you are seeing evidence of people who are serving in whatever location they happen to be, whether it was a greeter in the front or somebody in the life kids wing with your child, whether it's someone praying for you over here or leading us in worship or making sure microphones work, that's part of the service that we provide. But how many know that serving doesn't end on Sundays? It continues Monday and Tuesday and all throughout the week as well. But there's evidence of people engaging this value all around us. And so again, it moves us from being critical to building, to being builders of God's house because there is in this culture a spirit of criticism. And a spirit of criticism doesn't, it's not, not, all criticism is not created equal. There is helpful feedback, but then there is feedback that is not meant to build anything. It's just meant to tear down. And oftentimes the difference between helpful feedback and feedback that just tears down is the heart of service behind it. And so we're going to talk about that this month. We're going to look at serving means to see, serving means to lead. It means how we're called to serve in secret. And then also we're called to serve one another. And so let's start with first to see. Here's what I want you to know right off the beginning this month we look at this value of serving. Is we become or we will become like Jesus the more we value serving. We will become like Jesus the more we value serving. Please note, I didn't say we will become like Jesus the more we practice serving. Practice is important. But we can serve out of a function of a have to, but we still don't want to. We don't value it. We don't value what it's doing in our life, and we can't value or we don't value what it's doing in the lives of others. But there is something different about Jesus. Now, here's what's also true when it comes to serving. There are some of you who come by serving more naturally than others do. 
doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't mean that they are self-centered. But there are some of you who come by serving more naturally simply because it's one of your dominant spiritual gifts. You have this gift called acts of service. And so for you, when you walk into a place, you just automatically see it and you engage it. Now, for the rest of us who don't have this as a gift, we have to work at this as a discipline, as a mindset. All of us as followers of Jesus are called to serve. All of us as followers. You never have to pray, God, am I called to serve? You are. You do not need a personal word of God when a providential word of God forever establishes it. Okay? So all of us are called to serve, but it is true that some of you will come by this more naturally than others, and that's okay. Here's what the scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. That service and being a servant is part of our inheritance as a follower of Jesus. So, this is what the scripture says. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, have the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. How many know that's the heart of unity? That's what, that's what we're seeing there. And then it says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Now, if there's a word that cuts across the grain of our culture, there's a sentence. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conce- or conceit. But in humility, everyone all over locations that say humility. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So how do we humble ourselves? Well, don't just care about what you care about. Learn to care about what other people care about. Okay? So to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, and this is the inheritance language, which is yours. Everyone say, it's mine. Which is yours. In Christ Jesus, this is yours. This is available to you. It is a different spirit than the world in which we live. It is not powering ourselves up. It is humbling ourselves. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And how did Jesus do that? By taking the form of a of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So part of our DNA as followers of Christ is that when you, you and I function as servants, that we're called to serve others and be a blessing to the world in which we live. And the ministry of Jesus is filled with the miraculous. It's filled with awe. It is filled with this heart of revival of God doing what only God can do But there's something powerful also that we have to look at because while the crowds saw the miracles, oftentimes there were moments that preceded the miracles that are pivotal for you and I to see. Because how we see people and how we see situations and how we see how we look at the world, how we go to work, how we serve perhaps our boyfriend or girlfriend or if we're engaged or our spouse or our kids or how our kids serve, how we do that is critical. It's critical. Oftentimes, serving precedes the supernatural. Serving precedes the supernatural. If I brought you back a number of years ago, and you would ask anybody, the, the average thing, if you said to anybody, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? They would say, I'm doing fine. I'm doing good. If they were really spiritual, they'd say, I'm doing good. I'm blessed, brother, sister. How you doing? You know, if those of you are new to church, you're like, pardon me? But that would be an expression, right? I'm doing good. 
Today in 2019, if you ask people, how you doing? You know what they say? I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. And busyness oftentimes just robs us of the blessing of being a servant. Busyness can rob us of the blessing of even the opportunity itself. We don't see it. How many of you know that entitlement can creep up on any heart? Unsuspecting, it can creep up on any heart. I felt the Lord ask me to do something just in my own heart. I felt the Lord ask me to do something because I found myself um, growing impatient. I was dealing with impatience in my life. Things would annoy me quickly, right? So it was just, my heart was on edge. And there's a, there's a principle called multiplying breakthrough that sometimes that you surrender to God and get a breakthrough in one area, it can affect other areas. And so I began to look at my life. Where could I just practice a little bit of patience? And I felt the Lord put on my heart that every single time I drive to work and from work and when I'm driving, wherever there is an opportunity, let somebody else in the lane. And so I began to do that. And for those of you who are here, who were behind me as I do that, I thank you for your feedback. <laughs> yeah, so I thank you for it. I thank you for blessing me with telling me where to go. I'm grateful that Jesus knows where I'm going to go, not where you are going to go. So I thank you for that feedback. It's wonderful. But it seems like such a small practice and a small discipline. Or when you're walking into a place, just hold the door for someone behind you. And one of the reasons why you're like, well, I'm not going to hold the door because if I hold the door, I'm going to get stuck holding it for like nine people. Yeah, like that's the worst thing that can happen. But there's something about slowing down to see. Because here's what was happening in my life. I found myself, listen, I found myself when I would think about how God was using me Monday to Saturday outside of ministry. I found I had to think of stories that were a little bit too long ago. Hear me? So when's the last time God used you and you could recall a story? When did I slow down? When did I pay for somebody in line? When, did I, when was I sensitive to that? Now, again, you may be sitting here like you're at Tim Hortons and you feel the Lord say, I just want you to pay for the person behind you. And you first rebuke it and then it comes back and you're like, well, that's interesting. And you wonder like, God, is that you? But you know you. You're stingy. You know it's God. It would never be you. You've never had that thought in your life. Ever. Like, not once have you ever had that thought. Well, God, is that you? Well, it's certainly not you. So either it's the enemy or it's God. What do you worry about? Like, well, if I do that, like, what if they think I'm, like, what, do you, what if they think I'm weird? Okay, newsflash, you already are. <laughs> and they already do. Like, what do they think? Like, I'm trying to pick them up. You're not that good looking. <laughs> You're just not. Turn to the person beside you and say, what a bowl of encouragement he is. <laughs> but honestly, stop overthinking it. Just do it. You see what can happen is sometimes when the Holy Spirit can prompt our heart, our head gets in the way right away. Right away. Right? And part of it sometimes is this. Some of you, not all of you, but there are some of you, uh, not, not in abusive ways and not in harmful ways. I'm not saying that. But there are some of you who keep wanting to power up and God keeps bringing you low. 
and you resist it and you rebuke it and you pray against it and you kick it and you power back up and then God brings you low and you try to power back up and God brings you low. There is something God's trying to teach you that you can only get down here that will make you a better person, a better leader, a better husband, a better wife, a better son or a better daughter that you can only get from this posture. Let God lead you. There's something about down there that is significant. Because again, we love the miraculous, but there is this other thread, and it is this. It is the posture of Jesus provided him with a different perspective. That's a lot of P words in one sentence. But it really was the posture of the heart of Jesus. It provided him with a different perspective, and I'm going to show you that in the Scriptures. Jesus, it says, took on the form of a servant. How many of you know that he was a king? Okay, who took on the form of a servant. And here's the thing. Being a king and a servant to Jesus is not a paradox. It is completion. That's what kings do. We look at the culture which has fallen and broken, even though they go back to the Old Testament. Kings don't serve. It's self-serving. That is not the way of the kingdom. That is the way of the culture. And so for Jesus, he comes not upside down. Jesus comes actually right side up. Okay? So Matthew 20, 28. Even if the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, which we are going to celebrate with communion in a few moments. See, again, much in our world today sees serving as a evil starting point and something that must be left as quickly as humanly possible. You may get a first job that you ever had, and it starts with serving. And the feedback is, well, everyone's got to start somewhere. You've got to start doing that. you just got to do that. It shows how much we value service. Get rid of that as quick as you can so you can get to a place where you are served, not where you are serving, is the spirit of a culture in which we live. But not so, Jesus said, in the kingdom of God. Everyone saw what Jesus saw, but not everybody saw how Jesus saw. Because when you're called to serve, you see things differently. And when our posture is to be served rather than to serve, we end up seeing others differently. If our lives are oriented around others serving us, there is this dangerous word that can creep into our story, and it is the word entitlement. Is we believe by fill in the blank that we are entitled to something. As followers of Jesus, sometimes our spirit of entitlement comes face to face with the scriptures in how we deal with suffering. That's not today. We'll move that and keep going. But it sometimes surfaces. What we're talking about as a value of service is not insignificant. Because a belief that you and I are better than can impact an individual life. But in Canada, it is the, also the seedbed of racism. It is the belief that one race is better than another race. That one. So again, this is not only personal. Sin is personal, 
yes. And sin is equally systemic in nature. That it not only affects, but it infects everything. And we can actually grow up in it and be completely unaware of how it is actually shaping our worldview. Because the Bible in Genesis says, male and female, all of us are created in the imago Dei, in the image and the likeness of God. In the book of Revelations, it actually says there'll be every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue. So if in your view, heaven is one culture, I have bad news for you today. That is not the heaven of Scripture. The heaven of Scripture is every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue. Why? Because the King Jesus and his kingdom sees infinite value on people, though they're different. He doesn't just see people as arguments to be won, but people to be loved. Okay? Let me give you an example of where we see it. We can go really deep here really quick, and it can get super offensive. But we're going to keep going. And, And we may need to. Luke 18, 35 to 43. As he drew to Jericho, as he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Not an uncommon thing to see. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. The man who was born blind inquired what's going on. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And as soon as he heard that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, it says that he cried out, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. Both a prophetic statement of who he believed Jesus to be, but not only that, is he could not see, so all he could do is cry out. And he began to cry out again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it says, and those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. And it says, but he then cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Though he was blind, he could see that something significant could happen in this moment. And everybody with sight couldn't see what was happening because all they saw was a man born blind. And he's always been blind. And they saw a problem and not a potential for a miracle. But Jesus, who took on the form of a servant, saw the entire crowd but he also saw the man who was born blind. See, Jesus sees differently than we see. Not only, yes, because he's Jesus, of course, but also because he has the posture of a servant. He has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Philippians says, this is also our inheritance. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to know. Faith, faith isn't engaging or doing what you don't have. Faith is using what you got in a season to call out to the Lord. Here's the culture in which we live in, which you see also happening today. Here is a man born blind that hears that Jesus is passing by, and he cannot see, but he can call out. And so he uses in a moment the very thing, the only thing that he can to call out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he raises his voice, and he calls out, and he calls out, and all the crowd keeps telling him to be quiet. And in our culture, that can 
be you in an infirmity, you going through something, and everyone begins to tell you that you're not crying out right. We can do that as the church. Man, you're sick, and I hear that you're sick, but man, oh man, you're not calling out to Jesus right. Because if you, call, if, you, if, you had, if you only had enough faith, man, if you only called out this way, church, let's not engage in that nonsense. Because it's not, it is not the perfection of the call that matters to Jesus. It is the activation of his faith that is significant. Jesus says that all of us have been given a measure of faith, which means that it's not the same. It's not the size of your faith that matters. It is the activation of it that is imperative. It is not engaging Jesus with what you don't have. It is engaging him with what you do have. That is why the spirit of the world is buying and selling. The spirit of the kingdom is sowing and reaping. It is why when you're watching television and the TV evangelist says, buy your miracle, buy your blessing, you in Jesus' name say, I rebuke that spirit. Because I don't have to buy what is already rightfully mine as an inheritance. Now, if you want to bless, that's different. But you don't have to buy. It ain't the kingdom. It is a kingdom, but it's not the kingdom. Okay? It's not the kingdom. I told you we're stepping in it this morning, so that's good news. Now watch. So he calls out and he cries out. So if there's some of you today, I want to pray and speak healing over your heart. Because again, for you, it feels like I've been calling out wrong. In Jesus' name, I break that spirit of criticism and condemnation over your life. Not with my wise and persuasive words, but Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do? I break that religious nonsense. Look, it's not about, look, I have no problem with obedience. I got a, I got a big problem with works. I have no problem. I have no problem with effort. I've got a big problem with earning because the gospel does. And watch this. And Jesus stopped. And it says that he commanded him. How I many you know that sometimes Jesus is quite authoritative? <laughs> Didn't say that Jesus like politely Canadianly asked, like, if you could just bring him here, that would be that. I would deeply appreciate that if it's not too much trouble and doesn't put you out. Jesus stopped because there's this crowd and they're all clamoring to him. And Jesus sees the crowd, but he sees this man because he's postured differently. And he commands him, bring him to me. Pause. I want to put two pictures out before you. There's another story in scripture of a man who's not blind, but he's paralyzed, paralytic. And he has friends that bring him to Jesus. And when they bring him to Jesus, they can't get into the house because of the crowd. So the, they do a very un-Canadian thing is they tear the roof back. And if you own that house, this isn't a, your favorite story. That's in the Bible. But they lower him down to Jesus. So that's the power of beautiful community when we get it right. This story is the power of is the power of the other community when we get it wrong. Because they don't bring him. They bring him based on Jesus' command, but they could have brought him to Jesus if they had postures of serving. 
And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And it says, and when they came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight, your faith. Everyone say, your faith. Your faith has made you well. And it says, immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. Genuine miracle. Healing is progressive. Miracle is instantaneous. This was a miracle. Miracles in scripture are more rare than healing. Healing is progressive. Miracles are instantaneous. In this moment, it is a miracle. Now watch. And all the people, when they saw it, when they saw what? When they saw the man? When they saw the moment? No, when they saw the miracle gave praise to God. But Jesus saw the man and the moment before the miracle because he was postured as a servant. Jesus saw what they couldn't see. What were they blinded by? They were blinded by ordinary, not extraordinary. The man born blind near Jericho Begging is someone that they had seen day in, day out, day in, day out. So they became desensitized. They saw him, but they stopped seeing him. That is not a New Testament or old problem. That's a human problem. That's an every single one of us problem. Okay? Everyone saw the man blind begging. Everyone saw Jesus was passing by. Everybody saw those things. But Jesus saw the blind man differently. And for me, there is such a beautiful question, such a beautiful serving question. Jesus asks the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? I don't know how you read that, but I read that so spectacularly beautiful. Why? Because anytime you and I engage God, it is not transactional, it is relational. Yes, in this instance, he wanted Jesus to heal his sight. But there is something beautiful about Jesus saying, what do you want me to do for you? There's something not only about faith engaging, but there's also about someone seeing. We've told the story many times of a precious, precious saint who came to Life Center one time, and she gave us amazing feedback. She was deaf. And often Sundays, people would pray for her to hear that her... her and she appreciated that deeply. But what she didn't appreciate is that sometimes because they could, people could only see her through her deafness, that's all they would pray. Because if we would slow down and ask the question, what do you want me to pray for you? There's many Sundays she said, I don't actually don't really care about being deaf. I can manage the world fine, but I'm lonely. I'd like to pray that I'd meet someone and fall in love. It's a different question. How many of you know that people, even when they're sick, have more than just their sickness? So it's important to ask the question, well, what do you want me to do for you? And that's what Jesus does. I think it's a beautiful teaching tool for us as followers of Jesus. And again, and all the people, when they saw it, when they saw the miracle, of course they gave praise to God. But Philippians 4 verse says, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Look for what you can do, not for what you can't do. Being in the posture of a servant positions us to see differently. Now, I'm not saying this week, I'm not saying that miracles and signs and wonders are going to follow the posture of your servant. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is the supernatural will follow when you take the posture of a servant. Miracles, that's God's domain. Faith and laying on of hands and talking to people and meeting needs and getting into the dirt of life, that's our privilege. And when we do it, incredible things can happen. So we serve God by serving others wholeheartedly because our service positions us best to see others. We care about people first before we think about what they can offer. And we endeavor to look for the best in each other. Church, for all of us, we may have areas where this is very authentic, but I suspect for many of us, this is aspirational as well. Well, let's not ask God to lower the bar. Let's ask him to help grow us up. That you and I cannot see service as something that we start and leave behind. But that we can see that when we value serving, you and I then begin to look a little more like Jesus and less like our selfish, maybe inward selves. Mm -hmm.